Hello. Did you miss me? I missed you. Welcome back to Voices of Chandler, the podcast. I'm your host, Melina Suniga, and before I get into today's episode, I have updates. Previously, during season one, if you've been keeping up, you'll have noticed that the podcast was producing weekly episodes with specials since the last episode I hosted until this episode, which kicks off season two. Season two is going to be a little different. We'll be producing monthly episodes moving forward with the same great content, and you'll get to hear more of this lovely voice. With that, we'll jump right in. I'm really happy to be back, and I'm thankful you decided to tap in today. We're starting off season two with stories about the arts, community, and the youth. That seems like a great trio to me, so let's dive in. Michelle McLennan, Chandler Center for the Arts General Manager, talked to Michael Muenzo, artist, activist, and educator. They talk about his experience in Chandler during his week-long residency that worked to expand and deepen the connections between the community and its artists, who he is creatively, and next steps. Here's how that conversation went. Well, before we start talking about the work, I do want to mention Jono. He's not with us. Along with Michael is um, Jono Gasparo, who is Michael's creative partner and co-founder and CEO of Electric Root. Electric Root centers Black Roots music and Black artists by producing and curating music, festivals, residencies, and tours, in addition to hosting artist-led anti-racism workshops and initiatives intended to shift and transform society. So I think it's important that we mention that. And uh, just so, so wonderful that we got to have both of you here and that you really got to work in our schools and community but let's start off, if you would be uh, so kind as to introduce yourself and talk about your journey to becoming an artist and activist. Thank you so much. Well, I was born in Sierra Leone, uh, West Africa, which was one of the countries that was created for emancipated slaves, uh, like Liberia. So Sierra Leone has this unique kind of vibration of people that were lived there and people that came to the United States, people that came back. And uh, I was very much raised in West African culture, Nigerian, Yoruba culture. Uh, also, my mother also had a mother who was, I say from Sierra Leone, but also Belize, but also was married to a Ghanaian before. And then at the age of 10, we moved to London. My mother got married. Sadly, my stepfather died in a car crash. And, but that trauma really brought the gift of music into my life through a human being, Thomas Blowfield, who was my mother's first landlord. And he came back into our lives when uh, my stepfather died. And he really was kind of phenomenal in using the time he had to kind of look after me. My mother was actually deported back to Nigeria and I was looked after by this gentleman. And he really used the gift of music to help me and to guide me and to bless me, which really brought me into the power of music and how it could change your life. And that took me then, of course, some years later to come to New York to work at Jazz at Lincoln Center, uh, where I met John O'Gaspro, who you spoke about, my brother and creative partner. And then that really formed uh, this community called Muenzo and the Shakes, which became this band, this function of Black music. And then now in the last three years, we have discovered to create this company called Electric Root. And that has brought us on this uh, mission to really rechange and retune 
uh, the power of Black music on stages around the world. We were so fortunate to have you perform here in, I think it was November of 2019 with mm-hmm. uh, in the Shakes, but in a tribute to the Harlem Renaissance. Somehow I, I well, I guess I had hoped uh, that we would work with you again. What an opportunity to have you be part of our community. Uh, before you came to Chandler for this residency, which was about a week long, uh, we had about 10 months of conversations and, and preparation. So the, the week was full of experiences that would give you a sense of our community. I'm hoping that you can talk about your experiences, some of the artists you met or, or the people who stood out to you uh, and or the inspirational moments that happened along the way while you were here. So many. Um, I, I was very lucky to visit uh, the local schools and, and really uh, have some amazing opportunity to connect with the young people there and see the difference of education. Visit the symphony orchestra and see a unique thing you don't get to see a lot anymore, which is really community music in a way that all these people are coming together once a week to create music as a community. I got to visit and see the great work of Annie Beach, who has created this phenomenal Uh, you could say cultivation of bluegrass music with young people, young people of color through community building, you know, and, 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 and that was phenomenal. Also was able to do something me and Jono have created in the community, which was called Ancestral Communion Listening. And that was very powerful for all of us, quite spiritually enriching in being able to use the music uh, through listening to, to great artists like Mahalia Jackson and Aretha Franklin, but to hear people's own experiences and how the music touched them and what came out of those dialogues when we listened to music together as a community was enriching to me. I've been here with uh, the Center for the Arts for just about 23 years, and I put it in my top, one of my top experiences in my entire career. So Definitely for me. It was uh, stunning, and I know that the people who were so honored to be there really got to dig deep in their own experiences. Let's see, at some point um, during the events, we, we held a bunch of different meetings of different people, and we set up these uh, listening booths or video booths so attendees could share their answers uh, to three questions that you asked us to pose. Um, Now, I wanted to ask you the same three questions. The first question is, when are you happiest in your community? For me, it's it's, it's when you see people connecting in a way uh, socially, through music, through dialogue, through dance. When I see people together connecting, I I get very um, joyous over meeting new people. So for me, you know, and then when you go to a community you haven't been to before, uh, you get to learn about the community and everyone, everyone's different experience in that community and everyone's different history. Mm-hmm. And that's the amazing thing about Chana. You know, there is a small place, but wide in the variety of history. When have you felt like you haven't belonged in your community? I think I think for me it's it's when when I have been introverted, you know, when I not you know you have to you have to want to meet people and you have to want to create community and you have to want to actually meet people. So if you have if you don't have that desire, you know, it's going to be very hard. Yeah, and you know that question has me really as I've listened to the various responses on it, I notice that it tends to tie into your internal state of of your own 
confidence, your own feelings and, and how they're expressed. And, you know, when people share about when they have felt like they're not belonging, it's, it's deeply personal. Yeah. And, and you know, you have, there has to be a space that is already created, or has, has already been agreed on that then can allow you to feel welcome in the space. Good point. So there's a there's a safety in the space that exists so you can be yourself. You have yeah. to create a safe space. You have to create community agreements. You have to create a space where people are aware that they are welcome. Let's see, final question. How do you look to the arts to get through the ups and downs of life? For me, it has been a, a safety. I think I was telling someone a story about when... Uh, at one time, I remember the police, when I was younger, was searching me and my mother's apartment. But my mother wasn't there. And I remember, well, how did I deal with that when the police were rummaging all through the apartment? You know, I, I put on a James Brown video and started dancing and singing. And then, you know, when I was telling the person the story a few weeks ago, I was realizing, wow, that was how, you know, I was dealing with, okay. with, with pain back then. And, you know, the person was, when I was telling the person the story, they were like, you did what? And I was like, yeah. So I just started singing and dancing in front of the police, you know, and, um, but it was, you know, it, yes. you know, that's, you know, that was, that was how I was able to just like not let it affect me, you know? So music and singing and performing has always been a way for me to deal with pain. And loss and, and grief, trauma and joy, but the belonging or that longing Mm-hmm. I found it inside of that art form or some a place yeah. where I finally belonged, you know, or I felt like I belonged. So uh, yeah. it is a remarkable tool. And I think that everyone listening can look to an experience in their own life where the arts or, or music or architecture, whatever the art form is, has impacted them in their life mm-hmm. through critical times in their lives. So uh, after the experience of the week here, uh, what do you think is next for this residency? I mean, we, we've talked about a few possibilities, but what, what could you see on the horizon as opportunity? Our big one, our big vision would be to create some sort of community festival where we can actually really support and highlight the local community artists in a way and bring some sort of, it's almost like to create a gift for the city so that all the hard work and trauma, we could create a space of healing. You know, I love how you, not just a, a, a opportunity for the performance side, but the, the healing and, and what that could provide for the community as a whole. It feels like we'd be letting in people to this experience. Michelle and Michael go on and talk about cultivating that creative space for people and ideas to flow. Community is the key word here. Michelle describes it as transactional and says the idea is exciting to think about. And I totally agree. It really is. I really do hope that comes into fruition. Creative spaces with like-minded individuals really do create a sense of community. And it becomes a giant creative space where people thrive. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Thank you, Michael, for coming on the podcast. And thank you, Michelle, for taking over the Backstage at the Center segment for this episode. Staying on topic with community and the arts, we're going to transition into an interview with Francisco Lusania, formerly a part of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Division, and the Unapologetically Diverse segment, who talked to Annie Beach from Jam Pack. Now, hold up. Why does that name sound so familiar? I got to visit and see the great work of Annie Beach, who has created this phenomenal 
you could say cultivation of bluegrass music with young people, young people of color. Ah, uh, yes, because we just heard it. So Cisco interviewed Annie a couple of months ago, and at that time, on the exact day of the interview, Jam Pack was celebrating 28 years since its inception. The community ties are obviously strong, and I really wanted to emphasize that Michelle and Michael were not even aware that we had done an interview with Annie. It just so happened to work out that way. Here's how that conversation went. What is your background in community work, specifically working with youth in Chandler? My background, I grew up in Vancouver, Washington, and by the time I was 16, I had a little neighborhood group, actually not very little, about 30 or 40 children, and we would just meet on Saturdays and we sang songs, no instruments. We sang songs and I did that kind of thing. I was always running around doing, you know, something like that, and then I finally landed on the Navajo Reservation back in the 60s, late 60s. And I was in charge of, like, student activities and different things in the Navajo boarding system. I got to do, in that capacity, anything I really wanted to. And so I would do singing and a little bit on piano. I wrote a little piano book, you know, by the number that the kids could do. And then I came to Chandler with my husband, and about 36 years ago, we're in still the same house up here on Carla Vista. The main part of the story now is that I was a substitute teacher by that time. I didn't have to work full time. And in 94, I was up at Galveston Elementary School, just a block from the house. And two little second grade kids came down after school and wanted me to play and sing some more music with them. I would take my mandolin everywhere trying to learn to play. And the very next week, six of them were in the front yard and with harmonicas. I had harmonicas for them. And my mandolin, and that's where it started. That's kind of my background. Awesome. So it's pretty well-traveled coming from Vancouver, Washington, through the Navajo Reservation, and eventually ending up in Chandler. That's pretty awesome. Now, you founded and operate Jam Pack. What is Jam Pack? The whole name is Jam Pack Blues and Grass Neighborhood Band, and it meets in my home. It started out very small, me just, again, playing little songs on my mandolin, and the little neighborhood kids playing harmonicas, and then very shortly, a friend of ours showed me a kit in the Woodworkers magazine called a canjo, and I sent for it, and then we ended up copying them. It was a single-string fretted instrument with a soda can on the end of it. It sounds simple, but it isn't simple to make. Anyway, we made those, and that's what we played for almost the next four years. But we were a bona fide bluegrass traditional band and we have remained that and it grew very quickly from six to 17 to 25 one time i had 35 that was too big but i still had it the heart of the band it's it's not to become professional it's to give make people happy really make people happy with the music and especially make ourselves happy creating music 
creating community. Especially creating community through youth in marginalized or disadvantaged neighborhoods, I think is is a tremendous piece of work, and it's a critical piece of work because this music is allowing your students, your youth, to not just express themselves, but to form, you know, bonds within one another and throughout the neighborhood and the community as a whole. So, in that sense, um, Annie, how many youth do you think that you have? Can you estimate that you've been able to work with? through Jam Pack Neighborhood Band? Oh, my goodness. I get asked that question without going back and counting everybody up, because like I say, a lot of them don't leave. And mm-hmm. I don't know. We've affected hundreds of people. I know that. Maybe overall in the band, two or 300? I don't know. I honestly wow. don't know. And two or Did 300 it? over the course of 28 years, that's two or 300 individuals with their families, in different generations, in different time frames. So it's clear, you know, that your reach goes far beyond the number and into the essence of what not just Galveston community has been, but what the Chandler community has been overall. You reference, you know, that a lot of your students and, and, and bandmates, you know, they stay. You know, there there's kind of a long tenure attached to this. Do students ever come back? Yes. Are are uh, the ones who have been with me, particularly since 1999, they formed their own band, Cisco and the Race Cars. It's always laughing about your name. Francisco Braseño <laughs> grew up in Jam Pack from seven years of age, starting in 1999. And his bass player, Joel Tombe Abot, she started the very same day in 1999. So they've been there all these many years. Within the the younger group, we have seniors in high school. They mentor the younger children. And then we have little ones, brothers and sisters are in the band. It is a community. It's also a family for everybody. And I I do want to say that one of the big features of us is the diversity. I very strongly believe that this music, this kind of music, is for everybody. Culturally, color-wise, economic-wise, it is very critical to this band. Yeah, certainly you've established, you know, that precedent, that expectation that you're you're a community of openness, diversity, and inclusion, um, especially coming from Chandler's and really one of the Valley's most prominent majority-minority uh, communities at Galveston and I'm sure beyond. So your work is a testament to that. And, you know, referencing the work that you've done like we have, you know, I'm excited to hear what you've built in the past 28 years. But, Annie, yeah. I'm curious to hear where do you see Jam Pack going in the next 28 years? That's a really good question because people have invested a lot of time, children, you know, grow up here. 
And mm-hmm. they all were scared, what's going to happen if I die? I'm 78, not in no danger of dying unless something falls on me. It, we became a nonprofit, 501c3, and because of the composition of the band, we were able to become an Arizona qualifying charitable organization. Then this whole place I have had put into a will with three executors so that when I pass, I mean, we're all going to do that. When I'm gone, this will continue for JAMPAC. Again, to reiterate both Annie and Cisco, JAMPAC has really emphasized this point, and I wanted to read a direct quote from JAMPAC's website. It says, and I quote, The band has evolved over the years into a music community, enfolded in the love of music, community, food, travel, and love itself. This unique band of all ages, races, and walks of life makes bluegrass music. I never look at like a stopping point at all. Neither does anybody else. And I'm not grooming anybody particular. They all are learning what to do. And then out of Jam Pack has grown Cisco and the Race Cars, another small band called Greenwood Sidey, Cabin John. I'm part of that one. So I have to cut the mustard myself as best I can. with their two old people and two young people in that band, are one that has formed from one of our young people is called mm-hmm. Fair Black Rose, and they're getting major attention. And that's so, you know, that's the, the longevity of it. None of us will know what will happen down the road. Well, that's certainly, you know, reassuring to hear, you know, that there, there's a, a sustainable plan for Pack moving forward, because really, Annie, it sounds like, you haven't just built an organization. You know, you've built a family that's diverse. You've built an institution that focuses on marginalized community. And I think most importantly is that you've built a legacy of what community can achieve when they work together. And this happened to be through music. And I think that's one of the most universally appreciated aspects that that you've been able to to build. And, you know, I'm... (laughs) I'm certainly inspired, and like I said, to hear that you have worked not just in Chandler, but in places all around the nation and have gotten these these youth and individuals from Chandler the prominence and, and the recognition that they deserve, you know, is so awesome to hear. And I really look forward to seeing JAMPAC continue uh, to grow, to build community, you know, and to serve serve those individuals that need it the most. And I appreciate awesome. being asked this talk about it. I always love to talk about it. I want to say thank you to Cisco for this interview and for his dedication to Chandler. To Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story and passion for music, community, and helping the youth and for starting something as inclusive as Jampack. Lastly, thank you for tuning in. This podcast is for you, by you, and thanks to you and our Chandler community. This podcast is brought to you by the City of Chandler. Make sure you check back next month for a new episode. And if you want to tap in with our social media, you can find us on all platforms through the city of Chandler and voicesofchandler.com.